Welcome aboard another great episode of Sing Second Sports. I am your host, John Schofield. Joining me, as always, is our co-host, Ward Carroll, Class of 82, and our special guest, Bill Wagner. We are here to give you the pregame show and the analysis and the predictions for the East Carolina game now being played on ESPN2. Thank you very much to other teams who have had games canceled to COVID. That sounds horrible. Like We're not glad that games have been canceled, but we're certainly glad that the game is on TV delaying his trip down to East Carolina where he was going to cover the game and undoubtedly write another stellar post-game analysis is Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. So before he gets on the road for what is likely going to be an eight to nine hour drive, um, let's hear from Bill about what he expects to see and uh, and how Navy is going to do in this great opportunity for them to start off 3-0 in the American Athletic Conference, Bill. Lord Carroll. And special guest. Hey, John. Uh, well, first and foremost, well, part of the reason I'm running like late with getting on the road like to below and uh, share with your North Carolina and is because I needed Let to wait and make doing. sure this game was actually Twitter going to play be played. I didn't want to make that lengthy drive if indeed the, there was a chance the game could be now postponed, which is happening all over the country. And the American Athletic Conference had another one of its games postponed this week. Uh, Tulsa, Cincinnati, I believe. And... Um, the uh, issue is that East Carolina had some positive tests. East Carolina tested Monday and uh, had some positives, some contact tracing issues. Their head coach, Mike Houston, uh, announced that on Wednesday. It was actually kind of bizarre. I was going to participate in a Zoom press conference with the defensive coordinator. They, uh, East Carolina always uh, makes availability for its coordinators on Wednesday evenings and prior to the defensive coordinator getting on the presser, uh, Mike Houston jumped on and basically admitted they got some issues, as he said. And the rumor is that one of the East Carolina players that will not be available to play Saturday due to either positive test or contact tracing is the star quarterback, Holden Ehlers, which would dramatically change the tenor of this game. Um, So anyway, that's the issue. And so the way it works, I actually uh, looked into this pretty in-depth this morning. The way it works is that every team in the American Athletic Conference tests Monday and Wednesday with what is considered the molecular coronavirus test. That's the one with the highest percentage of, call it accuracy, 96 or 97 percent. And then on Friday mornings, all players and coaches do an antigen test, which is the rapid test. It has a little bit lower level of accuracy rate, but it lets you know if you got a problem. So apparently the antigen tests were done Friday morning. Uh, East Carolina had another round of tests Wednesday evening and came out negative across the board. And so Friday morning, the decision was made by the American Athletic Conference COVID Medical Advisory Board to allow the game to go forward. Navy got on a bus at the Naval Academy, went to BWI Thurgood Marshall and flew out to Greenville. Check out the big brain on Brad. Like, did I ever think that in a conversation with Bill Wagner regarding sports or football that he would use the words antigen and molecular in the same sentence? Um, Certainly COVID has brought upon us strange times and strange vocabulary. I sounded like (laughs) Ward Carroll. 
I'm a, telling a, you. A real, a real brainiac. <laughs> My question was, what's more likely, Bill, to use those words or for you to figure out how to use the ESPN Plus app? So, uh, you, you know, uh, thank God we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I, I, I am technology challenged. I, I admit to that. So there, there were a great many sighs of relief as I saw that game move to ESPN2. But yeah, I mean, here we are at Sing Second Sports. All we're doing is getting you ready for the SATs with antigen and alchemy and molecular. And I, I think I throw in myriad every once in a while. So, so Ward, you know, WAG's made reference to it, but sort of some big news out there in the sports world involving COVID. Here we are in the post-NBA bubble. We've even talked a little bit about how well the NBA did in order to pull off um, you know, a, a bizarre season part duh, so to speak. Um, but now it really looks like college football is unraveling a tiny bit. Um, in the same week, you have Dan Mullen asking fans to fill the stands at University of Florida. He gets smacked down. He has to walk it back. And then all of a sudden, some guy named Nick Saban gets COVID. He's kind of a big deal. So how do you evaluate this word? You know, pros and college, we're, we're, we're starting to see this dreaded, um, you know, the, this, this dreaded bounce back of, of cancellations and infections. How, how, do you, how do you evaluate it? Well, you know, to pull up to 30,000 feet, we're not out of the woods with this pandemic. I know we've all been quarantined since mid-March. We're all going crazy. We have cabin fever. We're begging for returns to normalcy. We had a little glimmer of it last weekend uh, with Navy's victory over uh, Temple, you know, the brigade in the stands. We've talked in detail about how that felt to be there. Um, and then the sort of blast of cold water hit us in the face. So, you know, all of the CDC guidelines must be adhered to until further notice. Uh, nobody's immune. Um, and as you've just rattled off some high profile college football figures uh, are, are sick with the pandemic. Um, any given game <clears throat> is in jeopardy. Uh, you know, I mean, what WAGS just went through with great fidelity and granularity is the circumstance that faces every team every week. So, uh, you know, uh, this is a weird season. We don't know what the end is going to, uh, when the end will be, here. So it's just, it's frustrating. It's scary. It's uh, as we get into the winter months, um, you know, we have the onset of flu season. I did get my flu shot, by the way. And if you haven't gotten yours, I highly recommend if you've never had one before you get one this year, it's very easy to get one. Um, and uh, so, you know, all the stuff that we enjoy here in Annapolis, which is outdoor dining and different ability to get together with friends and social distance is going to be mitigated now because the weather is going to get bad and we're going to be forced back indoors. Uh, so yeah, it's disappointing. And, and, you know, we're just, we, we got to be careful, you know, health comes first. Hey, I'll drop a little bit more knowledge on you guys real quick. Um, I posted the story Thursday morning about Mike Houston's comments Wednesday evening saying we got some issues and basically admitting they had positive tests in the Monday testing round. And the 10 responses immediately to that article were, Navy, don't go, don't play the game. Um, and I think what people hear is, my God, 
any team that had any positive tests on a Monday, you would actually consider playing them Saturday. And people talk about the incubation period. We don't really know what exactly is incubation period. I spoke to a medical professional this morning who said they believe it's about five to five and a half days. So you think, okay, somebody at East Carolina tested positive Monday, they could have interacted with teammates who then incubate for five and a half days. So wait a second, they're positive come Saturday at noon when kickoff. But I'm told by a very knowledgeable medical professional that the antigen test gives them high level of comfort. And here's why. The, while the incubation period may be five to five and a half days, if you do not show any signs or symptoms of COVID on Friday, that means you're not going to be able to transmit the disease. You're not contagious. And therefore, the medical professionals feel comfortable that by Saturday at noon, you're not a contagious individual. So it's really an odd situation. And I'm learning more about it the, every day I go. But you know, that was the first reaction of most fans is, wait a second, if they tested positive Monday, there's no way you can play them Saturday, but apparently you can. I think the antigen test is tremendous. It's amazing. Um, I, I only take the antigen tests. They're, they're, the, they're the very best. Dr. Fauci doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think it, it, we continue to cross these different Rubicon, so to speak, of, you know, I, I'm, I'm even sick of hearing myself say the new normal. Um, but, you know, you, you, have, you have these bizarre things. Cam Newton um, uh, for the New England Patriots testing positive, but added back onto the active roster today. Um, and today, at the same time, another member of the New England Patriots tests positive. The Atlanta Falcons have to shut down uh, their facility. And, you know, so in a lot of ways, I think it's good that Navy doesn't necessarily have to share as much about this because of the nature of it being a military academy. And we've already talked about how, um, you know, they don't really give a lot of information on injuries because other teams don't do that. But, you know, it certainly, it certainly looks like the tide is turning in the wrong direction, Ward. Well, and even in closer to home, Malcolm Perry uh, going on the IR for, for COVID. Um, and he's been on the IR ever since. He hasn't played a game yet, although he made the 53-man team roster uh, for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I don't think all of these injuries or all this IR time is COVID-related, but that's how he got on the IR in the first place. Uh, so, you know, I, this is where I think that this is uncharted waters. Uh, I think if you were to ask the athletic directors of the Big Ten um, in the Mountain West and some other conferences that balked at going into a season, they would say we overreacted at this point. Um, on the other hand, if you have a massive outbreak that spreads to the student body of a school and you got to shut down class, now you're being reckless. So somewhere between those two extremes equals the way to move forward. And as Wags just sort of flagged the matrix and fans' reaction, positive on Monday, you've got to be kidding me. You're going to play a team that had positive cases on Monday on the following Saturday. We don't know enough about COVID to go either way, really. All you can do is have comprehensive testing uh, and then have an ability to isolate those who pop positive uh, in an effective manner 
And I believe Navy is confident that they have all of those protocols in place. I mean, the brigade is a success story with respect to the bubble that they've been able to maintain since mid-August. So, um, you know, getting the brigade to Navy Marine Corps Memorial and back again without a massive outbreak is a success story. So you got to be forward-leaning, as we've talked about, the missions of the Naval Academy, um, you know, the three primary missions. Uh, they cannot be accomplished virtually. Uh, certainly the classroom part can, but the other two cannot. And so this is sort of a, you know, trailblazer for the nation. So I'm not going to judge the decision to play against ECU on Saturday. Um, I, I think they're doing what they have to do understanding the environment to the degree that we do understand it. And I don't think anything that they're doing decision-wise is uh, reckless. Um, but that having been said, we're all just one major 18 players show up on Monday with COVID. We're going to shut down practice, you know, and where do the contact tracing, do we have to shut down wings of Bancroft Hall? You know, I mean, that, that could happen, but right now I think we're safe to, to play the game. Yeah, you have to balance the risk um, with the, you know, how great it looked last weekend before the Temple game to see all the mids out in town in DTA, in their SDBs, just happy to be out of there living a quasi normal life. And now their biggest problem is trying to, you know, make sure they have a black mask or a white mask to go with their SDBs. It's like a whole new uniform rag now, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. You know, this comes as there was the announcement this week of there being no fans. However, the brigade can still attend the Houston game on October 24th. Um, so we'll see what happens uh, as we get down to East Carolina. Before we go to break and talk to our special guest, Will Worth, um, I was uh, uh, failing in my duties in the last pod. Uh, we broke down, you know, the, the Temple game, which was an awesome win. Uh, however, we do cover all sports here at Sing Second Sports, and we failed to relay the fact that on the 11th of October last weekend, uh, Navy women's soccer was able to get out there on the pitch one more time. They traveled up to Pitt, which is a tough road trip because you have to do road trips same day now um, because of the COVID rules. But uh, Navy women's soccer went up to Pitt and uh, lost 4-1. Uh, they got a goal from Caitlin Doran, um, assisted by Sadie McCaleb. Um, but, you know, they, they gave up uh, one, two, three goals in the first half, one in the second half, and, uh, and you know, lo lost that one 4-1. But great to have them out there competing. I know that they'll get better. They have a very odd season. They've now only played two games. They were playing a pit game who, or a pit team who was playing their 10th game. So, uh, so, you know, we know that whenever the ladies can get out there again, that they'll, they'll continue to show the greatness of the physical mission. Wags, anything before we uh, go to break? Well, yeah, John, I just wanted to mention, as you brought that up, and I'm glad you did, Navy men's soccer will play its season opener uh, Sunday night at NC State. Rather interesting, both football and men's soccer will be down in the state of North Carolina, and I'll be staying in the Triangle area. Maybe I'll spend an extra night and go check out Navy men's soccer at NC State. But 7 o'clock, and you mentioned that one-day travel, so think about that. Navy men's soccer gets on a bus at whatever, 11, 10, 11 in the morning, drives to Raleigh to play NC State, plays a game till 9 o'clock, whatever the time would be, and then they got a bus back to the academy, gets home in the wee hours. So that's going to be 
a challenging road trip. But yeah, Navy men's soccer opens Sunday night, 7 p.m. at North Carolina State. Awesome. All right. So um, best of luck to Navy men's soccer. Um, go get them next time, Navy women's soccer. And uh, let's hope for the best. And again, the physical mission on display by uh, by Navy sports. Uh, we're always looking to sing second. So let's head to break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Will Worth, former quarterback of the Naval Academy football team, current infantry officer uh, stationed down in Lejeune. Uh, we'll be right back. This is Sing Second Sports. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at We Sing Second. That's at We Sing Second. Now back to the pod. All right, we're back. Awesome to be joined right here in our alumni segment by Will Worth, class of 17, uh, current Marine Corps uh, first lieutenant or captain, Will? First lieutenant. Awesome. So first lieutenant Worth, thank you so much for making time to join us. Uh, I know you've had a busy schedule. So first first things first, kind of catch all the Navy fans up with what you're doing, uh, what you did after graduation, um, you know, and, and where you currently are. Definitely. So first off, appreciate you having me on here. Um, but yeah, so after graduation, graduated in uh, May 2017, stuck around for a little bit to TAD with the PE department. And then from there, went to TVS and uh, MLS selection was infantry. So I went to the infantry officer course before heading down to Camp Lejeune. So I've been a platoon commander down in Camp Lejeune with 2-2. And now I've uh, transitioned over to 3-6 as a uh, company XO. What what are your biggest leadership challenges? What do you enjoy about it? Um, I don't think a single Marine ever service selects Marine Corps and says, oh, I kind of regret that. I wish I were a SWO. Um, so, you know, is it everything you kind of thought it would be? And, and what are you thinking in terms of going forward? Do you like it so far? I do. I, I enjoy it so far. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that about wishing that you went SWO. Uh, we spent some time on a ship with 2-2. And I can honestly say, you know, didn't envy the this was too much whenever we were on ship, just hanging out, waiting for the next time uh, we were going to go do our exercises and they had to drive the ship around and everything. So uh, I, I definitely enjoy it. Uh, platoon commander time was definitely awesome. And, you know, I, I don't know if anybody signs up wanting to go be an executive officer of a company. Uh, it keeps you busy for sure, but uh, it has its own challenges. And I've learned a lot from doing it as well, too, with how everything works. And also, I think one of the coolest things about it is helping the other platoon commanders that are uh, the, the newer lieutenants come in and try and uh, help make sure that they don't make the same mistakes that you did when you were a platoon commander. So how much have you found that it models after what you learned at the Naval Academy where, you know, particularly when I was there as a PAO, we tried to stress to the press that, you know, a lot of what we're doing um, in the hall is midshipmen leading other midshipmen. And I, as an officer, particularly as an 05, didn't have really much um, that I could really uh, give to mids as they were going through the very beginning stages of their career. You know, the, the greatest training they were getting in, uh, was in the hall. So did you think that your leadership experiences, um, and you were a battalion commander your senior year, do you think that those really prepared you pretty well, uh, you know, in the Marine Corps to not only lead junior Marines, enlisted Marines, but other officers? I would definitely say so. Uh, I think that's one of the 
the interesting things about going to the academy is the fact that you know you're put in some of the positions where you need to tell others that are probably your friends and the same grade and rank as you are uh whenever they're doing something wrong you need to correct them uh, i think that's something that continues whenever you become an officer you know it's not necessarily uh in my opinion not necessarily our role to get in everybody's face and uh make those corrections but just taking people off to the side and make those corrections uh, behind closed doors so that they know first off that they know what the expectation is and and can make those corrections going forward so let's get a little bit into your playing career uh, and then we'll talk about how the physical mission has really um, helped you um, in your post naval academy life um, you, you and your brother were both involved in the football program for those who might not know that much about it kind of walk us through it you know did did you always want to you know play football at the collegiate level did you always want to play at the naval academy and then how did your career go so I, I always wanted to play college football. That was the goal of mine uh, growing up all the time. I just, I love football. And um, I'll be be honest with you, I, I always planned on trying to go into the military, find my way into the military after college. But uh, as my brother went through the academy, it wasn't something that immediately clicked and said, hey, I want to go there. Uh, I was definitely intrigued by it. But just the way the recruiting process worked out and how everything happened, um, the academy was the one, uh, the one school that really – that wanted me to go play there. So um, I ended up making that decision, best decision I made in my life. I, I couldn't imagine going to a, another school, uh, a normal school, to be honest. You know, the academy has set me up to where I am right now. It taught me so many different lessons. And then on the football field, uh, we talked about the brotherhood and everything like that with everyone. But to be able to spend another two, three years around my own brother uh, was awesome. And you know, I, I couldn't have traded that in for the world. So what positions did each of you play? Um, kind of walk us through that and what your playing careers were like. Um, you know, and, and for me, uh, right after you walk us through that, you know, what is your greatest memory on the uh, football field? I assume it might involve an Army-Navy game, but you know, it, walk us through kind of the, the career that you enjoyed, your brother enjoyed, the interface that you guys had on the football field, and then what your greatest football memory is. So my brother, he played linebacker and uh, put on some special teams. And uh, he didn't end up starting at linebacker, but he was on special teams, especially senior year, uh, kickoff, kick return, all that good stuff. And then for me, I was a backup quarterback for the first three years. And then, you know, ultimately Tago got hurt in the, in the first game of our senior year. And I was given the opportunity to step up and play. And, you know, our senior year went very well for us. Had a great time. Uh, I'd say two of my greatest memories were probably uh, up there between beating Houston and beating Notre Dame. But unfortunately, that came came to a halt uh, before the Army Navy game, and that was the year that uh, you know the streak ended. But um, I, I just enjoyed all the time being in the locker room with all the guys. That, that was probably something that is up there with all those big wins, like the day to day grind with the guys is probably what's up there towards the top of everything. Yeah. I remember I was standing in very close proximity to you in the uh, locker room after the last army Navy game in 2016 with Keenan. Um, I think everyone thought that that coach was uh, leaving for BYU at the time. I remember the speech he gave after the game and Ray Mavis was in there and Slapshot Carter is in there and we're all kind of wondering, um, 
you know, what was going to happen next. It was kind of a, a unique kind of crossroads in the football program. Um, what was it like to, to be a part of that, you know, football meeting room with coach Jasper and, and uh, Keenan. And, you know, when you, when you finally got the nod, when, when Tago unfortunately got hurt, um, you know, how did you feel about stepping in? I assume that you, you know, it was a next man up mentality, right? Definitely, sir. Uh, I mean, throughout the, the three years of being in the meeting room with, with coach Jasper and Keenan, like first off coach Jasper uh, is just an awesome coach. He's a great coach, a uh, great person. And sitting in that meeting room every single day, like only get better from that. Uh, and, you can pick up so much every single day in the meetings, the multiple meetings that we go to. So um, I kind of tried to view that as an opportunity with Coach Jasper and Keenan there. Like Keenan had obviously been successful, so he had to be doing something right. So to pick his brain, to watch what he was doing, um, you know, there's no excuse for us to not do the right things when we've been given the, the right example for three years. And then after that, uh, when Keenan ended up leaving, um, I know Tago and I are very close. Uh, we stuck together to, throughout that whole process and try to just learn from each other and continue to get better because, you know, we knew that there was a lot of pressure on Tago as he was slated to be the starter and everything. So um, just going in day by day and, and learning, getting better at the offense, you know, that's something that Coach Jasper has preached on. And he taught us to understand the entire offense, not just trying to figure out what we were doing on a single play. Um, and, I mean, the difference from freshman year to senior year was worlds apart. So a lot of what you experienced kind of having to step in for Tago and, and follow in the footsteps of Keenan, you know, as a model for what you see in the, in the military, you know, I, I didn't necessarily see it as much as a SWO or a PAO as much as Marines do. Um, but do you really, do you think that that experience of having to step in and in, in a crunch, um, you know, for a, a very popular division one football team after so much sustained success, with a pretty rabid alumni base, do you think that stepping up into that uh, position where you had to replace Tago and be the quarterback and be the leader of your team, do you draw on that most as you now lead Marines in the Marine Corps, or do you draw on something else? I definitely draw on that. I think there are so many lessons that I've learned from football and from the academy that uh, – like we'd be wrong not to include them in our day-to-day lives, especially in the military. And I mean, one of the quotes that I remember from at school and going to TBS and everything was just be ready. So you don't have to get ready. Um, and that definitely plays a huge role in what I experienced in football, making sure that I was prepared in case something did happen. And then cause you only get one opportunity to, to show what you've got. Um, and that's something that I definitely preach to my guys too. You know, right now we're, we're fortunate to be in a peacetime environment of, for the most part and uh just we need to be ready in case something does happen absolutely so what's your take on the team so far this year it's been a really weird year not just you know for the marine corps you know for the entire nation for the entire world college football is upside down um you know the the byu game started off pretty tough and then after that you know, it's been a little bit up and down. The Air Force loss is obviously going to stand out and be painful for a while. But what's your take on the team so far? First off, I definitely don't envy what they're going through right now with all the COVID challenges and everything that's going on. You know, it, it stinks that, especially for the seniors, that this is 
you know, they've been waiting for, for a long time to get the opportunity and be ready to play. And just the, the unknowns that have come along with the, all this COVID stuff. But um, I think the biggest promise that I've seen from these guys is the, the way that they bounced back this past week and, and versus Tulane, right? So, you know, tough one against BYU and then going down early in the, in the first half and to see the fight and the resiliency that they had to, to come back against Tulane. And then, you know, after losing the Air Force, being at one and two, that's a huge decision point for the team and the way the season's going to go. So it was great to see them fired up and come back and uh, even out the record against uh, Temple this past week. So uh, Bill Wagner, our special guest, talked at length uh, in the last pod about um, how ECU traditionally in the American conference has not been the best at covering the option. Um, you know, if, there, if there's been a big game for Navy against another American athletic conference team um, in terms of the option, it's been them. Uh, what were your, did you um, actually play, I, I assume you started against ECU your senior year and how did you do? Yes, sir. So we, uh, we played them at ECU uh, my senior year and that was actually the one that clinched the uh, division for us in the American Athletic Conference. And um, I mean, everything that we go against, I think coach says all the time that's hard to win, um, but everything that we go against, especially in the conference after playing them every single year, uh, you know, they pick up on the hints and cues and uh, they get better at playing the option every year. But uh, yeah, for us, like we were able to, it was a close game in the first half and we were able to break apart, uh, break away in the second half a little bit, um, which is something I'm hoping these guys will be able to do this week as well. I love it. So um, second to last question, what advice would you give to, um, you know, any member of the brotherhood right now going through the, um, going through the adversity they're going through, not only with COVID, but with a very interesting season. Um, you know, what would you tell them in terms of what your greatest lesson learned was coming out of there? Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say it was necessarily uh, a big lesson learned that I didn't realize when I was going through it, but it was something that like, coach preached all the time was uh, two different things. Like one, just keep grinding, right? Like you, you can't control what you can't control. So, uh, just continue to like stay in your box and do what you can do to continue to get better. And I mean, they'll still have the opportunities to, to show that showcase that every Saturday. Um, and then the second is just to enjoy the time with your brothers. Um, that's definitely something that, you know, I, I still live with one of the linemen from, uh, from my class on the football team. And every time we, every time we get together with any of our buddies, you know, it's always a great time. So, but it's a lot more, a lot fewer and farther between. So I would just say to enjoy the day-to-day grind with, with your buddies. Cause um, even in the midst of all this COVID stuff, you still get to, to spend the time with the guys that you, that you signed up to play with. Awesome. All right. And then the last question will be, do you have a prediction for, uh, for Saturday? <laughs> uh, Navy by 100. Uh <laughs> But uh, no, I think uh, Navy uh, keep it rolling. I was hoping that you uh, were going to have your talking points ready, but go ahead. <laughs> perfect. Maybe by hundred. But but go but, ahead. Uh, bring no, it down. I, I think uh, Dalen's been doing an awesome job, and I think he's just going to continue to get more comfortable. And uh, I'd like to see. I think the defense uh, kind of grew into their own this past week as well, too. So uh, I think we'll uh, start to hit a roll against DCU this week. Hopefully, what's your brother doing now? And do you keep in contact with Tago still? Where's he now? Uh, Tiger's out in California. Um, he's uh, in school right now. Um, my brother is 
he's an infantry officer as well. Um, he's out here on the East Coast, so it's been good to spend more time with him out here whenever I'm uh, whenever I'm able. But yeah, those guys are both doing well, and uh, like I said, it's always good to be able to talk to them whenever whenever we're able to. Well, hey, Will, um, we thank you so much for for joining us. We know you're busy. We've been trying to we've been trying to connect with you for about a week or two, and and I know that you're in the throes of exercises, and you got your job, and no one wants an XO job, but. I have uh, I have all the faith and confidence in the world that you're doing well and and thank you so so much for coming on the Sing Second Sport. Of course, appreciate it, sir. And uh, last thing I'd like to say is just uh, congratulations to Coach Nehemiah too. Hunter wins. It's a it's a big deal. It's awesome. And I know all of us wouldn't be where we're at without him. No, I, I couldn't say it better myself. So thank you so much, uh, ladies and gentlemen. That's Will Worth, former uh, Naval Academy quarterback, uh, current uh, infantry officer in the U.S. Marine Corps. Um, and yeah, just overall great, great example of what, uh, the Navy football program and the Navy, uh, the Naval Academy, uh, physical mission produces, uh, year in and year out. We're going to go to break. This is Sing Second Sports. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at WeSingSecond. That's at WeSingSecond. Now back to the pod. All right, hey, we're back. Many thanks to Will Worth, who was literally, we, we've been trying to get him for like two weeks. Uh, he's in the throes of, of uh, you know, leading Marines down there and uh, preparing for a pretty big exercise. And he made time. Uh, to talk to us. So really, really appreciate that. Um, so, you know, as we take this out, as we do every week before the Naval Academy plays, we're going to do a little bit more analysis of what is to come and uh, get predictions, which we've all sucked at. So, you know, let's see if we can turn frowns upside down here. Um, Wags uh, wrote another great article about uh, East Carolina. He also wrote a wonderful article as we're talking here on the 16th of October um, popped online this morning and is in the hard copy about the 100 wins for Ken Niamatololo. Get some awesome quotes in there from Keenan Reynolds, Joe Cardona, Ricky Dobbs, um, kind of a who's who of, of guys who have uh, been a part of the men of Ken um, and uh, even some quotes in there from Paul Johnson as well. So uh, segueing more into details about uh, the uh, East Carolina Pirates uh, Wags talked about Holton Ehlers possibly having COVID, maybe not playing. The backup is Mason Garcia, who has thrown two whole passes all year. Uh, they have a really good running back in Rajai Davis. Got a pretty good receiver who's racking up some, some receptions and yards in Tyler Sneed. But as Wags would tell you in his article, and he'll tell you right now, I think it's more in the defensive end that East Carolina has, has some, something to worry about. Yeah, John, that's really my preview story is about the fact that East Carolina, and no opponent of Navy has done a worse job of defending the triple option than East Carolina. And it started back in 2010. A Navy went down to Greenville and quarterback Ricky Dobbs led Navy to a 76 to 35 destruction of East Carolina. Navy rolled up almost 600 yards of total offense in that game. Um, then, you know, 2012, Navy was at it again down at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium in Greenville, 
This time it was Re- Keenan Reynolds rushed for three touchdowns, threw for two more. Navy beats East Carolina 56-28. Navy had 563 yards of offense in that game. And then we get to Will Worth. Uh, he was part of this theme that we're talking about. Will Worth rushed for three touchdowns. Fullback Sean White added three more. Or no, Will had four touchdowns rushing, and Sean White added three. Navy rolled up an almost 600 yards again in beating East Carolina 66 to 31. So I even have in my article for those scoring at home, Navy's averaged like 60 points on 580 yards in its last three games at East Carolina. So you can imagine the Pirates don't want to see the midshipmen roll into town. It never ends well. Um, But there's some changes at East Carolina. They have a new coach and a new defensive coordinator, both of whom have option experience. Mike Houston, the head coach, he ran the option at Lenore Rhine and at the Citadel. He has hired Blake Harrell as a defensive coordinator. Blake Harrell was on the defensive staff at Lenore Rhine and the Citadel. And he most recently was a defensive coordinator at Kennesaw State. Who did he replace as defensive coordinator at Kennesaw State? Brian Newberry. And who is the head coach at Kennesaw State? Former Navy assistant and Paul Johnson disciple Brian Bohannon. So this Blake Harrell knows not only the triple option, but he knows this particular style of triple option because he spent a year going against it in practice with Brian Bohannon at Kennesaw State. So we will see if a change in defensive staff enables East Carolina to improve the their defense against the triple option because so far to date, the, the Pirates have just not been able to figure out how to stop the option. So that leads us right into predictions. Um, and I'll start uh, just because, as I said, we're super good at this. Um, but I think a lot of it will depend on the quarterback position. Um, I, I, you know, again, we've got all sorts of new things here. A lot of teams playing their first game. At least this time we're playing a team that's not playing their first game of the year, but that might also be hurting them in terms of the COVID outbreaks. Uh, but if it's Mason Garcia under the center and not Holton Ehlers, I think it changes the complexion of the entire game. I think you're going to see Rajai Davis get a ton of carries. I mean, he is, they are going to feed the beast there. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how it develops. Again, a, a great thing to have, uh, you know, Dalen Morris back under center for us and uh, getting more and more confident each week. Going down there, uh, playing a tough road game against a team that certainly likes to give up a lot of points but can also score a lot of points. I think this gets up there in terms of uh, score. I'm going to predict Navy winning 31-27 to 27 in a barn burner um, and, uh, yeah, I'm sticking to it. And that probably means East Carolina is going to win by 50, uh, over to you wags for your prediction. What do you think you're going to see when you see it up close and personal, uh, from the press box down there? Go ahead. Well, yeah, John, I mean, we have been off base this year, haven't we? My goodness. We thought Navy would put the wood to BYU because BYU was coming all the way across the country and it turned out to be opposite. Then, after we saw that, we were like, oh, my God, Navy's really not good. Uh, so no way they could beat Tulane on the road, and somehow they pulled that out. And then we, we got confidence from the Tulane victory, and we thought, okay, Air Force hasn't played a game. They're going to roll out of JV. So we say, oh, okay, Navy's going to go out and beat Air Force, and they get walloped. And that 
game led us to think Navy's just not a good football team, and I don't think any of us predicted them to beat Temple, and they did. So this is an exercise in embarrassment for us so far. Um, I guess I'm hoping, praying, thinking that Navy has turned a corner and has reached some level of consistency. And the business of COVID-related absences for East Carolina, most notably the starting quarterback, has me uh, concerned. Um, if Holden Aylers can't go, that, that really handicaps the East Carolina offense. I'm kind of with you. I would say 35-28 Navy with Aylers. Without Aylers, I'm not sure that, be, that East Carolina can hit 28. Um, but I just, I think Navy showed that their option kind of finally got on track on, against Temple. And, you know, now I do think East, East Carolina will defend the option a little bit better because of what we just spoke with regard to the defensive staff having a little bit more experience. But I don't like to go against what his past history and past history is that Navy kills East Carolina almost every time they play. Ward, um, I know you don't cannot make a prediction and will not make a prediction, but perhaps you could talk about the Navy consistency factor. And I mean, are we going to see another regression where, you know, here we thought Navy's got it going and then they go on the road and it's another shocker as to like what just happened. Well, let's just imagine that nothing succeeds like success. And some of the, the moving parts that we've, triangulated on is consistency at the quarterback position. You got check. Um, and then defense doing the Newberry thing, check. And then a win under our belts, check. So I, I believe that they will not be inconsistent and we're going to build on the win last week. Um, and, and we should see that progression throughout the season now. I don't think we're going to see these wild swings that you just described through the first uh, three games. Um, so uh, that's, that's what I think. All right. So there you have it. Those are our predictions. I'll hand it over to Chris Cervello to, uh, you know, for his uh, bold prediction in this game. Uh, Chris, what do you think we're going to see on Saturday? I'm not sure that the Navy, uh, the hiccups on, uh, on offense and defense are, are behind us. Um, the line is two and a half. Um, I think if Navy wins, it's a close game, closer than we would expect. Um, so I'll take Navy in the points. I love how Cervello always leaves him some some wiggle room. He's, he's not actually picking. <laughs> he's not picking a winner or a loser. He's picking who will cover and who won't cover. Good Lord, Cervello. Hey, we have uh, we have fans here that rely on us to give them our best betting advice. In addition to your uh, your sage wisdom and Ward's SAT prep, <laughs> I want to know why you hate the troops, Chris. That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, there's one one last thing we got to cover though, uh, and it's non football related. Uh, and we had an early sniff on this um, that that kind of went nowhere. Um, so so. Annapolis' favorite son, Travis Pastrana, is in fact doing this jump on October 22nd. Um, Wags, any intel on, on or any backstory uh, about this announcement? Yeah, I interacted with Travis via text and email yesterday. He just continues to be confounded how Annapolis, the city of Annapolis, continues to put out absolute 
impeccable details about his event, which he's tried so hard to keep secret. And he's finally just thrown up his hands. Uh, at this point, he's got to create a perimeter so large that nobody with a cell phone camera or a video camera can get close enough action video of this jump to ruin his movie because they're putting a lot of money into a movie. There's the whole reason he's doing this stunt. And his concern was that if somebody captures the jump on video and posts it to social media, that's a lot of money down the drain because they've trumped his movie. So I think at this point, he's got to create a perimeter so far that no one with a camera of any sort can be close enough to get good footage of his jump. So is he jumping Eagle Alley or the Spa Creek? What is he? Do we know what he's jumping? Yeah, he's going to jump Ego Alley in a rally car. Okay. Sounds like sounds like uh, Ward and I need to uh, need to uh, cash in our Fleet Reserve Club memberships and, and get ourselves a a, a place like in the it. crow's nest there. Um, I like it. And I'm taking oh. Travis Pastrana in the points. <laughs> uh, many, many thanks also from us to uh, Alderwoman Ellie Tierney from Ward One, who apparently loves the loose lips sink ships scenario and keeps telling the world about Travis's thing. Uh, hats off to you, Alderwoman Tierney. Um, all right. So, hey, we, we have reached uh, the end. We've covered it all. Um, you know, rally car jumps over Ego Alley, East Carolina getting stomped by the option. Uh, Cervello basically uh, being a shark, you know, like, like Samuel Rothstein and in Casino, uh, knowing all of the lines and the OUs. You know, we are a multifaceted podcast as we go out. Uh, congratulations on the sports front to the Los Angeles Lakers who have won another world championship um, and LeBron James, who has won his fourth uh, best of luck to the four remaining major league baseball teams. Um, those are the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, the Houston Astros, boo cheaters um, and the Atlanta Braves and the Los Angeles Dodgers. I thought the Cincinnati Reds were in there, but I think, yeah, I was wrong. I just read that wrong. So um, without any further ado, I am John Schofield for Ward Carroll and Bill Wagner, who has to get on the road and drive eight to nine hours in a driving rainstorm. That seems fun. And Chris Cervello, who is, on, who is at the best place on the planet right now in Palm Coast. I cannot wait to join you in two weeks. I am John Schofield. This is Sing Second Sports. Go Navy, beat ECU, we are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments. 